Morning, Hebron Church. So if you've been in church uh, for any length of time, you've probably heard Jesus' parable in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents or the minus, where he gives five to one servant, two to another servant, and one to the last servant. And the first two use their good stewards of what the master gave them. And the last one was kind of selfish and scared and just buried it, right? So we got a tough subject. We just sang this song. Do you really trust God? We say we do. But do you really trust the Lord? So when you think of your finances, do you get a good feeling or do you get a bad feeling? Do you give it any spiritual thought at all? Do you feel like you need to give something to the Lord? Maybe you feel like you need to give more. Or maybe you're so overextended, you can't give it all. But what does God say about money? Because he says a lot. Now, before I get, get into this, I, I, I want to talk about one thing. Tithing and giving have three components. And, and if you've been in Christendom a long time, you've heard of the three T's. And I'm a chiropractor, and I always think thoughts trauma toxin, but that's a chiropractic thing. Um, <laughs> treasure, time, and talent, right? Treasure, time, and talent. Treasure your money, time. Are you giving back to God's kingdom with your time? And talent, are you using your talents to further the kingdom? But nowhere in Scripture does God say if you tithe financially, you're exempt from the time and the talents. You're still expected to do something with those two things. And nowhere in Scripture does God say, if you give your time and talent, you're exempt from tithing. God says much about money. And he gives us promises and instructions about money. I personally want to know what does God say about my money that he's given me the privilege of having? How does he want me to handle that? Did you guys know that there are more scriptures related to money than to heaven or hell? And there are more scriptures relating to money than prayer. There are hundreds and hundreds of scriptures God gives us about finances. And Jesus himself, because the argument is always, well, what did Jesus say? Jesus himself, in almost a third of his parables, talked about money or used money as an example for other aspects of our lives. And there's an assumption there. And the assumption Jesus is using is we understand what God says about our finances. He's assuming we already know that when it's not specifically about money. The Bible is the best financial guide in the world. I know a lot of you love Dave Ramsey and Susie Orsman or Ortsman or whatever her name is, right? 
But the Bible is the best book on finances. You cannot go wrong financially if you obey what God says about money. I'm going to repeat that. You cannot go wrong financially if you obey God and what he says about money. So let's compare the world's view and God's view. The world's view on money, accumulate. Accumulate. What can I get? What can I have? What can I save? What can I spend? Accumulation. That's the world's view. The world's view is get, get, get. Me, me, me. What I want, what I desire. It's about personal security. But if you think about that, because a lot of things the world tells us sounds good, but it does not promise joy or happiness or peace. Because when it's all about you, you're going in the wrong direction. So what's God's viewpoint about money? Let's turn to Psalm 24. In Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. God's view, it's all his. God owns it all. Everything belongs to God that's on this earth. And those of us who have the privilege of handling any part of it automatically become stewards of God's money and everything else God gives us, our time and our talents. We automatically become one of those stewards five, who got five, two, or one talent. The world's view accumulate. God's view distribute. And let me prove that to you. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 9. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 9. But, I, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. See, if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus here, and I want to I preface this, Jesus here in Luke chapter 6, he's talking about distributing judgment. So I want you guys to get a, a this, this verse is in the middle of a judgment section in Scripture. But it's true, it's how you're judging people will come back to you. By how they judge you and also how God will judge you. But I believe that finances are a big part of this. So let's look at cha uh, Luke chapter 6 verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. 
What does press down and shaken together look like? What does that even mean? You guys ever been to movie theater before they had the big plastic tubs you could refill for like 250 or whatever? You'd get the large bag of popcorn and you'd see the person scoop the popcorn in and it'd get filled up. What did they do? They shake it down, right? They shake it and pounce the bag. And all of a sudden, it's half empty. They scoop some more popcorn in. And then they bounce it and shake it down again. And you can probably get one more in there. Now, that's worth 10 bucks. I mean, it's not, but, you know, that's worth 10 bucks. Movie popcorn's the best. What's, what's pressed down look like? You ever been to the beach with your kids, grandkids? And, and you don't get a bucket and fill it with sand and flip it over because what happens? It goes all over the place. But you pack that sand down and you get more and you pack that sand down and you press it down and you press it down so when you flip it over, it's so solid and compact. There's so much it holds its shape. See, if you're selfish and chintzy with the blessings God has given you, if it's all about you and your finances and your vacations and your cars and your clothes, this is not a godly perspective. And so many people have this perspective financially. And there's a prime example in our culture today, and this was written almost probably longer than 3,000 years ago in Haggai. This is how so many people live, and it just doesn't make sense. Let's look at Haggai chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earn wages to be put into a bag with holes. They don't have enough. When it's all about me and accumulation, it doesn't work. But if you handle money God's way and you give God's way, he's going to give back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Doesn't that sound better than a bag with holes? The promise of Scripture we say we believe Scripture. I hope if you're a Christian, you say you believe Scripture. The promise of Scripture is you cannot outgive God. You can't. God owns it all. He gives it all. He controls it all. And if I give the way God commands, I will be rewarded for my obedience. So the question is, are you obedient or not? Are you caring for others or not? See, it, it, it's our choice to obey. We have a free will. We can choose to obey God or we can choose to disobey God in our giving. You either trust him or you don't. There's no other option. There's no other excuse. You either trust him or you don't. So what is God's blueprint for financial success? Because it's very clear. We go to Malachi 3, verses 8 to 10. In Malachi 3, verse 8 to 10, it says, Will a man rob God? 
yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Isn't that amazing? I will open the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing that there will not be room enough. See, no tithe equals robbing God. Period. Now somebody says, well, I can't live on 90%. You don't know how much debt that I'm in. You don't understand where we're at. I don't. But God does. Are you telling me God's a liar? Do you want to get out of debt? Start being obedient to God in your tithe. Just try it. God says in verse 10, look at verse 10. God says, bring all the tithes into the storehouses. Test me in this. The version I have is try, but in in Greek it means test. God's saying, test me. You don't believe me? Test me. Because God always fulfills his promises. You say, how's that possible? How could 90% be greater than 100%? I don't know. But God knows. Does it happen? Yes, it happens. I've seen it happen. I've talked to people and they've said to me, Doug, you don't believe it. We start that. And I don't know how it's happening. God always honors his word. Always. Do you believe that? Do you believe God honors obedience? Do you believe God fulfills promises? See, this is a test. And some of you won't do it. And and this is I want you to listen to this part. This is important. Some of you won't do it. Even though where you are now financially, and I don't know your situation, but it's not working. And it hasn't worked. And you're in debt and you're struggling. And you're living week to week. And you're trying to make it work. Because we're listening to the world's view on finances instead of God's. And it's ruining you. And it's stressing you out. And it's not working. Because the world's ways don't work. And you still won't trust the Lord. There's a definition of insanity that most of us have heard. You do the same thing over and over and over and you expect a different result. I got a a different view on insanity. If you're a Christian and you profess Christ as Lord and Savior, the definition of insanity is reading God's word, believing that it's true, knowing God loves you, knowing God doesn't lie, knowing God wants the best for you, and then still not doing what he tells you to do. Why do we do that? I mean, that's sin, right? 
And, and I, I've taught a lot of classes. I, I taught Financial Peace University numerous times, the Dave Ramsey thing. I, I've done Bible studies on finances. I've listened to so many sermons. I, I've talked with other ministers. And all of them have told me the same stories. And I've never had seen this happen. I've never seen a person who starts to be obedient to the Lord financially end up sleeping under a bridge. I've never had somebody come and say, you know, I started tithing to the Lord and I lost everything. It doesn't happen. It works. And it doesn't work because I say it works. It works because God says it works. His blessings don't trickle or ooze. They come pressed down, shaken together in abundance. You say, I'm in need, I'm in debt. Start tithing. Let's look at Mark 12. This is a great example of, of what I'm talking about here. In Mark chapter 12, verse 41, if I can find my scripture here. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which makes a quandrance. And he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Now, when I was preparing this and I first read that, I thought, oh, she gave her tithe and it was two mites. No, Jesus says here, out of her poverty, she put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. She gave every coin she had, and it was two mites. Now, we don't know what happened to this old widow, but let's talk about this. Do you really think that that old widow lost everything after being obedient to God? I mean, do you think God said thanks and took her shack and took the little bit of crumbs that she had to eat and took all her tattered clothes? Or do you think somehow, in some supernatural way, God blessed her? See, God acknowledges that tithing is a test. But this test is not about money. It's not about giving to the church. That's not what tithing is about. It's a test for us of obedience to God. And will we trust him to provide for our needs? That's what it is. And blessings will come from so many areas. You won't even see it happening. Now, I'm not talking about health and wealth. I want to make that clear. This isn't about you give $100, God will give you 1000 You give 1000 God will give you a million. Because I can guarantee you that, that poor old widow didn't become the Queen of Sheba. Right? She still stayed poor. Not every Christian's a millionaire. And that's the lie of health and wealth. What is that? That's the world's point of view. Accumulate. You're not doing it out of trust and obedience. You're doing it to get. Remember the world's view? Me, me, me. Get, 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 accumulate. I'll give this little bit so I can get more. 
That's not biblical. But I've talked with so many people, and they said, Doug, you know, all of a sudden, the car broke down. And I'm like, oh, geez. And it ended up being the $200 fix instead of the $2,000 fix. Something broke, you know, my, 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 something broke in my house. And my buddy's a handyman. He came and he fixed it for free. Would have cost me 500 bucks. How does that work? Because God is in control. When you're faithful and when you obey. People say, you know, I know it's rough. Hey, we got a timeshare. We're going to lose our points. We can't lose our points. So take your kids, take your grandkids, go to the beach for a week on us and have fun. Okay. That's the way supernatural blessing works. Not only will God provide what you need, but he will protect you. Let's look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 11. This continues chapter 3, 8, and 10. Now let's look at verse 11. God says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Protection. Supernatural protection. See, God's not broke. God doesn't need your money. He already owns it all. He could take it today like this and have nothing. You'd have nothing. He wants us to love him and obey him and trust him and follow him because it's the wisest way to live. It's the best way to live. That's why he gave us his word. That's why we read the Bible. Because if we listen and obey, we will be blessed. So you listen to the world. Or you listen to God. God is not going to come up short in your life. He's not going to come up short. And I've said this before in, in my classes. If you're, you've been in my classes, you've heard me say it. 90% plus God is greater than 100% without God. C.S. Lewis, Lewis says it this way. He says, I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. If our giving habits do not at all pinch or hamper us, I, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we want to do, but we cannot do because our giving expenditures exclude them. See, it's a perspective shift from selfishness to giving. Maybe that means a smaller house or an older, plainer car or a less extravagant vacation or maybe even a few more years working for retirement because you've been obedient. But in the end, like the three servants when the master came back, five, two, and one talents? Do you want to hear from our master? Well done, good and faithful servant. Or, why didn't you trust me in this? See, it comes down to two words. Obey or disobey. 
but you don't know my circumstances. Nope. But God knows your circumstances. And he placed in his word all the circumstances that could ever begin to exist. And he says, if you do what I tell you to do, I'm going to bless you. He'll bless you personally. He'll protect you personally. That's his promise. So let me ask you a few questions. Are you a tither? Do you want God's best for your life? Do you believe God tells the truth? That he owns it all. And he asks for a tithe. So we can trust him. He promises to run over your life with goodness and protection and blessing. It's a question of do you believe him or not? When you and I obey, we will have enough. And chances are we'll have more than enough. We might have to make a few lifestyle changes. But God will supply our every need. But more important than that, more important than material possession, you're going to have peace. You're going to have happiness and contentment. And most of all, we're going to be living in a relationship of obedience to our Heavenly Father. You cannot lose obeying God. And Father, how grateful we are for your word and what you say, even when it's really, really hard and it doesn't seem to make sense. But Lord, you are not a liar. You are a provider. You are a protector. And you say, test me. Test me in this. And watch what I do. And I pray that we would. Amen.